Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you again for uh, being here today for our English worship. Um, it uh, really is a blessing to have you here, and we're grateful for your presence today. So today's parable, we've been um, going through a series on the parables of Jesus. Uh, we started this a few weeks back, and today's parable among Jesus' parables is kind of unique because it's really a parable about parables. Um, or perhaps I should say it's a parable about how we receive parables, about how we receive Jesus' teaching. So honestly, this could have been a pretty good parable to start the whole series off with, but I think covering it now is good because after you've heard a couple of parables or after you've thought about Jesus' parables, this kind of gives you a chance to think about how, how will I respond to the teaching of Jesus? In this, in this parable, we learn both how to reflect on Jesus' teaching that we already know, but it also prepares us to listen to teaching that maybe we don't know, or maybe that we don't know very well. Now this parable is really quite involved. Um, there's a lot of moving parts, we might say, kind of a depth to it. And uh, this is one of the few parables though that Jesus specifically explains, like he actually uh, interprets it for us. And so since we have his own interpretation, that's very helpful. But there's also kind of this strange part in the middle where Jesus explains why he teaches in parables. And so that part can kind of be a little bit confusing. But if I were really to say it simply, what this parable is about, the parable is simply about this. It's about hearing. It's about how we hear, about how we listen to what Jesus teaches us. It's about our hearts. It's about how receptive we are to the teaching of Jesus and to the kingdom of God. So I'd like to think about this today by looking at four key takeaways from this parable. So there's four keys to this parable, I think. And so we're going to think about it with these four. And those four, those four keys are the seed of the kingdom, unfruitful hearing, fruitful hearing, and the path to true hearing. So the seed of the kingdom, unfruitful hearing, fruitful hearing, and then the path to true hearing. So first, the seed of the kingdom. Now, one of the things we must understand about the kingdom of God, about Jesus' kingdom, is that his kingdom is like a seed. Jesus uses the, images of a, the image of a seed many times, actually, to refer to the kingdom. We see it here, actually, of course, but we also see it in the very next parable about the weeds. Um, we see that concept of the kingdom as a seed. Um, but then we also see it, of course, in the famous parable about the mustard seed, right? That Jesus' kingdom is like a, a, the tiniest seed. So we see many times Jesus likes to use this image of a seed when he talks about his kingdom. And Jesus also tells us um, just before his death that his kingdom is not of this world. He says this in John 18. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. And Jesus' point there is not that his kingdom is spiritual and has nothing to do with the material world. That's not his point. Rather, his point is that his kingdom does not grow and it does not expand the way that earthly kingdoms grow and expand. So earthly kingdoms increase by violence and by force, okay? Um, and I mean, pretty much any kingdom you can think of, you can see this. We see it right now in Russia. Russia wants that territory, so they go in and they take things by force. Um, and even my own country, America, we became a free country by force, right? That's how we do things. That's how pretty much any country does it. We do things by force. The earthly, war, earthly kingdoms, they grow, they expand, they get power by violence, by force. Um, but that's not how Jesus' kingdom works. 
Okay? As Jesus says to Pilate, his servants don't fight. His servants aren't going to fight. And why? Because that's not what his kingdom is like. Jesus' kingdom is not the kind of kingdom that grows by violence. No, Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God, is not like a bomb, but like a seed. Now, here's the thing about seeds. Okay, think about a seed for a second. <clears throat> seeds are small, right? Seeds are unassuming. There's really nothing special about a seed if you just look at it on the surface. I mean, we eat seeds in our salads, right? We put seed in bread and we eat it, things like that. In America, um, I haven't really seen this here in Japan, but in America, baseball players chew seeds and they spit out the shells all throughout the game. If you look into uh, the dugout where all the players are, if you look on the floor, you'll see uh, shells all over the place. It's just covered in shells that they've been spitting out, right? They're, they're a snack. A seed is small. They're not really anything special. But seeds have the unique power to change everything and produce abundance. So seeds transform dirt into a garden. They transform a barren plot of land with just nothing on it at all into a lush green field full of fruits and vegetables and flowers. I mean, what's the biggest difference between Mars and Earth? Well, it's the fact that seeds don't grow there. Like you could plant a seed there, but as it is, I mean, you might could change it and you know, do something. But as it stands right now, if you just planted a seed on Mars, it, you know, it's not going to survive. You're not going to have a lush green you know, planet. But here we do. And it's the seeds that produce that. The seeds produce all of this change that makes a planet full of life. And that is how the kingdom seed operates. The seed of the kingdom doesn't transform by power, by force, by violence. It transforms from within. It sprouts and it grows and it increases and it becomes fruitful. And so God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom is organic and it transforms the world organically, much like a seed transforms the land. And Jesus tells us that the kingdom seed, he says that seed is the word of, his, of the kingdom. He says it is the word of the kingdom. But what is that? What is the word of the kingdom? Well, throughout Matthew's gospel, the word of the kingdom is also called the gospel of the kingdom. It's the good news that Jesus preached and that his followers preached after him. But what is that good news and why is it so good, right? We talk about the gospel, we say it's good news, but why is it good news? What's so good about it? Well, the good news is this. The good news is that the true God of the universe is undoing the curse of sin. He's undoing the curse of death and he's making all things new in and through Jesus Christ. And he has already begun the new creation through Jesus' death and resurrection. And he continues this work today in his church. And one day he will bring his reign, his, his power fully to all of creation. And the wonderful thing about it is that every single one of us can participate and be involved in that work right now. Every single one of us can join that work right now. We can experience that, that power, that transforming power right now. And so if we were just going to put it very simply, the good news is this. It is what God has done. It is what he is doing. And it's what he will do through Jesus Christ. And that we can share in that transformative work today. That is the gospel. That is the word of the kingdom. Now, often we kind of simplify the gospel so that it basically is just the news that God forgives us of our sins and therefore we can go to heaven when we die. That's kind of how we tend to think of it. The gospel is God forgives my sins. I go to heaven when I die. Now, look, I don't want to 
make, make light of that, that message. I don't want to disparage that message. That message is very good. If that was the entire gospel, it would still be good news. But God is doing much more than just that. God is doing much more than that. God is making everything new. He's undoing the curse of sin. He's undoing the curse of death. He is bringing life to all of creation. And he invites us to join that work, to first be transformed ourselves, to be changed by the love and the power of Jesus right now. But then he also encourages us to join that work in bringing that life to everything around us. So in effect, the gospel says that God's transformative work that he showed in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus is available to each one of us right now. And that message, the message of what God has done and what he is doing and what he will do through Jesus, that message has the power to change hearts and to change lives. And because of that, it has the power to change our communities to change cultures, and to change entire nations. And uniquely so. Nothing else can change people and nothing else can change communities and cultures and nations like this message. Nothing can. And the reason is because the change happens from the inside like a seed. It happens from the inside, not from the outside. It's not just changing the shell. It's not just changing the surface. It's changing the inner person, the inside. And so God's kingdom does not come with war. His kingdom does not come with soldiers, with tanks, with guns, with bombs. God's kingdom comes like a sower planting a seed. But that seed can transform dead dirt into a life-giving garden. Now, this leads us to our next point, hearing. Okay, so we understand now uh, perhaps the, the kingdom seed. But now we need to think about hearing. And really, this is the message of the parable. As I said before, it is about hearing. The seed has power in itself, but that power is only realized in the right kind of soil, right? A seed only grows in the right kind of soil. And whether we, whether I am that kind of soil in which the seed can grow is determined by how we hear, or more simply, it's, it's determined by the condition of our heart. Will we receive the message fully or will we shut out the message? And this is really what Jesus is talking about in verses 10 through 16. When Jesus speaks in parables, those whose hearts are open will receive his message and receive all the riches it has to offer to their souls. When our hearts are open and we hear his message, it opens us. It, it changes us again from the inside. But for others who hear, whose hearts are not receptive, for others who won't listen, they either won't receive the message at all or they will not enjoy its transformative power. They may receive the message, but it won't change anything. So in this parable, Jesus is confronting us really with a simple question. What kind of hearer am I? What kind of heart do I have? What kind of soil am I? Am I the kind of soil in which the kingdom seed grows and becomes fruitful? Or am I the kind of soil in which the kingdom seed is unproductive or worse, perhaps, am I the kind of soil that is so hard the seed can't even enter to begin with? What kind of soil am I? And so basically the question is, how do I hear, how do I listen to the message of the kingdom? Do I hear with fruitful hearing or with unfruitful hearing? So let's think about each of those for a second. First, 
unfruitful hearing. Now, Jesus tells us that there is only one kind of good hearing, but there are three types of unfruitful hearing. And in modern terms, I think we can explain these three in this way. Very simply, they are hard-heartedness, shallow-heartedness, and divided-heartedness. I don't know if you can say that, divided-heartedness, but, uh, but a divided heart, right? So do you have a hard heart, a shallow heart, or a divided heart? Now, we could really do a sermon on all three of these just on their own, but for today, we're going to only briefly consider each. So the first type of soil Jesus mentions is that of the path, the path, right? And this represents the hard heart, a heart that has no space for the message of the kingdom. And because of that, Satan and his workers come and steal even the seed that was sown because the seed doesn't go anywhere. So it's just open. And so Satan comes and takes that. And there is absolutely no hope of any growth at all. It cannot grow. Now, the natural question for us, I think, because honestly, I think many of us know many hard hearted people. Um, Maybe sometimes we kind of feel ourselves like we're kind of hard hearted. Right. So we kind of look at this and we think, what what makes a heart hard? Why are some people so hard-hearted and absolutely unwilling to listen? Why is that? Well, think for a minute about a path, okay? Now, I'm not talking about like today, although you could really maybe make the comparison, but I'm not necessarily talking about like, you know, somebody who's put concrete down, you've got like, you know, a sidewalk. I don't mean that, but I'm thinking about like just a path through the woods, okay? That kind of a path is not hard or flat immediately, right? It takes time. It became hard and it became flat over years of being walked on by travelers, okay? So after years and years, it gets beaten down until eventually there's a path there. Now, I'm sure you've seen paths like this in in your own life. I mean, maybe at a park or anywhere. And they became paths not by somebody planning it out. Nobody planned for it to happen. It just happened by use. And the same thing happens in our heart. And it happens because of sin that we allow into our heart. Now, it may be a moral sin like lust or greed or something like that, but it could also be maybe a bit more of a private sin like pride or anger. But no matter what the sin, all sin, every type of sin has a hardening effect on our heart. It hardens our hearts. Any sin at any level hardens our heart. It hardens our heart and that is why it is so dangerous. You know, sin never starts off seeming like a big deal, typically. Typically, somebody doesn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to go murder somebody. You know, generally, that's not how it happens. Generally, a person doesn't wake up and say, I think I'm going to rob a bank. That doesn't happen. Generally, it happens over a period of time. It starts with something that seems small, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually now it's murder. Now it's robbing a bank or whatever it is, right? That's how it becomes. It's just like the path. It seems like it's not a big deal at first. Nobody would even notice that somebody had walked by maybe. At most, maybe some of the grass has kind of moved to the side, but it's no big deal. But eventually you have the path. And that's how it is with our hearts. And the thing is, a hardened heart is one that simply cannot receive the message of the kingdom. It cannot. That's not to say that God cannot soften a hard heart. God can make a hard heart soft. I think it's safe to say that Paul's heart was pretty hard, right? Before he became a Christian. Um, The Apostle Paul, I mean, he was hard-hearted. He was mistreating Christians. And yet he became a Christian. And so God can soften hard, hard hearts and people all around us, even people that we can't imagine how God could do that. But he can. But as long as a heart is hard, 
As long as that's the case, the kingdom seed will not be able to have its effect. It won't even be able to come inside. It won't be able to enter. Now, the second type of soil is rocky soil, and this represents a shallow heart. Now, this is where the message, I think, starts to become a bit more challenging for us as Christians. The hard heart can't even receive the message at all to begin with, right? A hard heart just doesn't even receive the message. Now, the, the message might be heard, but it's not processed. The person doesn't reflect on it. It just sits on the surface and it doesn't go deep at all. But the rocky soil, the rocky soil does receive the seed. And the seed, in fact, gets into the soil and even begins to grow. In fact, notice what Jesus says in verse 20. He says, the rocky soil is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This person receives the message with gladness. There's joy. They're happy to hear the message. But the problem is there's no depth. You see, there's no depth. The literal soil Jesus is talking about in, in Palestine is quite warm. There's also a, you know, a lot of rocks. And so because of that warmth, things very easily and quickly grow in it. But because there's no depth, because there are so many rocks, the roots can't really grow very well. And so the plant doesn't get the nutrition that it needs. And so it dies very easily. That's you know, literally what the soil is like. But this happens to us as well when we don't have depth as Christians. We don't have any deepness to us, right? Now, we'll talk more about this in a moment when we get into the idea of fruitful hearing. But for now, it's enough to say that a faithful Christian must have depth. The seed has to go to a deeper level. It can't just be at the surface. It has to go deep. The seed has to actually grow roots and go deep into our lives. The message of the gospel, the message of the kingdom has to become so intertwined into our lives that the only way for it to be removed is to tear up all the soil and pull out the entire root system, right? Um, sometimes I'm taking care of the lawn here and that's how it is. You have some things here, you know, some weeds and stuff and they grow deep and it's a pain, you know, trying to get that stuff out because it grows so deep. And that's what, and I mean, that's a weed. That's not a good thing necessarily, but that's what we want. I mean, same thing with a tree, right? You want a tree. Um, I mean, for example, in Florida, where I'm from, we have hurricanes and you don't want a tree next to your house that does not have deep roots because when a hurricane comes, it's going to fall on your house. You want a tree with very deep roots so that it can withstand that, that wind. And so that's what Jesus is saying is we need to be the kind of people where the gospel goes so deep into us that it becomes actually harder to take it out than it is to keep it there. All right. And see, the thing is this kind of, this kind of here, if they don't have that depth, if we don't have those roots, then as soon as there's trouble, we're gone. Right? As soon as a problem arises, we say, I'm not dealing with that. Right? What happens if we are in a country where people start to persecute us? Or what if maybe even our family or our friends or our work starts to persecute us? Well, we have no depth. And so as soon as those winds start to blow or the way Jesus talks about it, as soon as the heat comes, we're gone. Right? Because there's no depth. And so this kind of person, they follow Jesus, but only because they think they're going to get a personal benefit from it. It's only about a, a material benefit. And so as soon as they realize that there's a cost to following Jesus, they have no interest anymore. And you see, we have to understand this. There is a cost to follow Jesus, and we have to be willing 
to count it, to pay it, as Jesus says. The third type of soil is what we might call a crowded soil. Um, It's the soil with weeds and thorns in it. And this represents the divided heart. And this really, I think, is the saddest heart of them all. And here's why. As another preacher has said, this type of person is the least happy out of all the four types of soil. The third type is the least happy person. Now, why is that? Well, think about it. The first person just doesn't care, right? I mean, they just don't care. So they're fine. They don't feel like they need it and they don't have any reason to care about it. So they don't worry about it. They're happy. The second kind, they stay when it's convenient. But as soon as there's a problem, they're gone. So they don't actually have to deal with the hardships of following Jesus. So they're happy. Now, the fourth kind obviously experiences true happiness, true joy, because they have taken in the gospel and they really know its power. But this type of here, this person, they want to kind of have their cake and eat it too, right? That, that is to say, they want to both have the worldly joys and the kingdom joys. They want both. They want to enjoy the, all the goods of earth and all the goods of God's kingdom at the same time. And so they're trying to like share the two. They're trying to put both in, in the same pot, right? They're trying to take weeds and thorns and plant them in the same pot as, you know, the, the plant that's supposed to produce vegetables and fruits and things. And they want both to be there. And that is why that all they end up having is just sadness, right? Because they can't really enjoy the world, but they also can't really enjoy God's kingdom. They can't enjoy either, really. And so that's why they're really the saddest of all of them. Now, the the thing is, this person, the plant is there. Notice this. The plant is still there. It sticks around. It's not blown away in the wind. When the heat comes, it doesn't fade away. But it's completely unproductive. It doesn't give any fruit. Nothing comes from it. And so it doesn't actually experience the power of the seed. It's there, but it's not producing anything. You see, the message of the kingdom, God's gospel, it cannot be enjoyed with just a casual or temporary level of attention. And it won't be fruitful if it's forced to share space, to share resources with other concerns. And that's what this kind of soil does. It desires the message of the kingdom, but it expects expects that message to share resources with other things. So again, there's a plant there, yes, but it's unproductive. And this leads us to the next point, fruitful hearing. Now, what is the fruitful kind of hearing? What is the true way to hear Jesus' teaching and to receive the word of the kingdom? Jesus says the true hearer, the good soil, is the one who hears the word and understands it. He says it is the one who hears the word and understands it. But we need to realize what Jesus means by saying understand, okay? Jesus does not simply mean to grasp it intellectually. He doesn't just say, it enters my head, I understand it as a fact. Rather, to understand in the way Jesus means is really to be defined by this message. It's to have my life defined by the message of the gospel. I mean, think for a second about what a seed does if it goes into good soil. If you have good soil and you have a healthy seed, what does it do? Well, like we said, it turns a patch of dirt into a garden, right? Um, My wife and I, we've been growing some things at our house this year. I should say I've been trying to grow some things at my house this year. I'm not sure I've been doing very well, but I've been trying. And I have a a tomato plant and a pepper plant. And so far, I've only gotten one pepper. 
uh, all the other ones have died. <laughs> and I've gotten a couple of tomatoes, but they're pretty small. But, you know, it's the first time, so I'm trying. Um, but in any event, you know, if I just put dirt into that pot, it's just dirt. I mean, it's just nothing. It's just dirt. But that seed, it's good dirt, but it's still just dirt. But the seed, when it goes into the dirt, then what it does is now I don't just, I don't even see the dirt anymore. It's not about the dirt. It's about what the seed has produced in the dirt. So now when I see my pot, I don't see the dirt. I see my beautiful plant. Well, my somewhat beautiful plant. <laughs> it's kind of beautiful. Um, but you get the point, right? I see my tomato plant and I go out and check on it every day. And I think, oh man, I, I hope I get more tomatoes or whatever. But you see the point. It changes it. it. It no longer is just dirt. Now I have a garden in this little pot. The entire soil becomes known by the seed that is in the soil. Do you see? It changes it. It's different than it was. And that's what happens when the message of the kingdom comes into our hearts fully. If the kingdom seed has truly gone into our hearts and we are open to it, it will define us. The roots grow deep. They go out through everything. And the only way you can remove it is through much difficulty. I mean, I don't even think I could probably remove the, all the roots out of this soil now because it's just a little pot. So probably the roots are just all around in there and trying to pull it out. I could cut the plant off, but the roots would still be there. And that's what God wants. He wants the kingdom seed to grow in us so much that it's just, that's what it is. It's no longer just soil. It's a plant. It's a living thing, really. But notice, though, that the fruitfulness does have different levels. Not every plant or soil produces exactly the same amount, okay? Sarah's tomato plant is producing way more tomatoes than mine is. Um, I can tell you that. Now, hers are like mini tomatoes, but that thing has tomatoes all over it. And mine is not really doing great, you know? Um, but both of them are producing fruit. And that's the thing. Jesus is, is showing us this. Not every tree, not every plant, not every soil is going to produce the same amount, but they all will produce. And... Notably here, they won't just produce, they will produce a lot. Now, one is going to be a whole lot, and one is just going to be a lot. But if you actually see this, the, uh, the, hundred, the hundredfold or a hundred times or 60 times or 30 times, all of those in context are actually good, good amounts. They're very healthy amounts. And that's what Jesus is saying. They will produce and they'll produce a lot. And this is really the main point Jesus is making here. Again, the whole parable is about hearing, but we might also say the parable is about discipleship. It's about being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. What does it mean to truly be a disciple of Jesus? That's what Jesus is getting us to think about here. He's asking us, what does it mean to have true faith? What is real faith about? You know, a hard heart, a hard heart can't have faith at all. A shallow heart will have faith, but it will be temporary. It will be short and it will be gone. A divided heart may have faith, but it won't produce anything. But a soft heart, an open heart, will lead to a productive faith that spreads out and even spreads more seeds to others so that more plants grow. In other words, true faith, true faith is always confirmed by a life of discipleship and spiritual productivity. Always. That is what true faith always leads to. And so here is the final question for us today. What is the path to true hearing? What is the path to true hearing? Um, the uh, ancient Christian writer Augustine, or, or Augustine, depending on how you say it, but um, he said in one of his sermons on, the, on this passage, 
He said to the people listening, change while you can, till the hard ground, that is dig up the hard ground, get rid of the rocks, pull out the thorns and so on. But how do we actually do this, right? How does hard, rocky, thorny soil become good soil that seeds can grow in? And to answer this, we have to remember who the gardener is. Who is the gardener? Who is the one who takes care of the garden? Who is the one who plants the seed, really? Well, the answer is Jesus. We are the soil, but Jesus is the gardener. And if we see in our hearts then those places where there are still hard patches, still rocks, still weeds, still thorns, if we look in our hearts and we see that, then the first answer for us is to turn our hearts to Jesus and to ask him to change the soil to ask him to take care of the soil and change us from within. Now, one of the ways we do this is by listening to his teaching. We read the Bible, we read his words, we study what he has to say. We meditate on it. We listen to Jesus' teaching. We actually take it into our lives every day. We expose ourselves to the seed that he has sown. But then as we do this, we ask the Lord to remove those things from us that are preventing fruit. We ask him, remove the rocks, please. Please remove the thorns from my life. Remove the thorns from my heart. We ask him to dig up the land, dig up the hardened soil, get rid of the rocks. We ask him, please help remove the sins from my life that make me hard and and, and not willing to listen. And if we ask him this, he will answer. I mean, don't you think he wants you to be productive? That's what he wants. He wants us to produce. He wants us to be abundantly fruitful. This is what he says in John 15. He says he wants us to produce abundant fruit. That's what he wants. But you see, asking that of Jesus takes courage. It takes a lot of courage. And the reason is because if you're the soil and somebody's digging into you and pulling out all the rocks and pulling out all the thorns, that's not a fun experience. It's not fun. It hurts, right? And oftentimes the process of being fruitful is painful. We have to lose things. We have to change. We have to give up stuff and it's hard. It disturbs the soil. It's not easy, but it is worth it. And that's the point I want to end on today is that it is worth it. Remember what the message of the kingdom is. It is God's promise of who he is and what he has done and what he is doing now and what he is going to do in the future through Jesus. It's the assurance that God loves his creation, that he loves us and is ready to free us from the curse of sin and death. It's the promise that just as God raised Jesus from the dead, so he will raise us from the dead. And just as he changed Jesus' dead, crucified body into a new eternal body, so he will do to our bodies and ultimately to all of creation. It is the assurance, the promise that God has already started that work right now in the world around us and that he will work in us to transform us into the image of Jesus right now. He is working in us right now to change us into the image of Jesus Christ. And the message of this parable is that God wants to plant that message deep within our hearts and to allow us to actually experience his kingdom power in us right now. And it's not just a message about the future, about what God will do one day, although it is that. It's not just about forgiveness of sins, although it is that. It's not just about going to heaven when we die, although it is that. It is also the message that God is changing us, changing our identity. He's changing the deepest part of who we are 
to be more and more like Jesus. And he's doing that right now, today. Today he's doing that. And he invites us to experience that, not just passively, not just sitting back and kind of kicking up our feet and being like, okay, you know, Jesus, you do your thing. He wants us to be an active part of it. He's inviting us to produce the spiritual fruit that only his seed can provide. So today, what we need to do is we need to examine the soil of our hearts. We need to think about what kind of soil we are. What kind of soil am I? What kind of soil are you? Let's not be the hard-hearted soil that doesn't listen where nothing can grow. Don't be the shallow soil that fades away as soon as things aren't easy. Don't be the crowded soil that tries to share attention between worldly desires and desires of God's kingdom. Instead, let us be tender, deep, undivided hearts that fully receive the message of God's kingdom. And let us be hearts that produce spiritual fruit in abundance. And I want you to imagine that for a second before we close. Imagine the joy of seeing God's kingdom seed producing fruit in your life. Imagine seeing that fruit growing in abundance through your life. Imagine your life just totally changed by Jesus. Imagine being able to completely forgive your enemies like Jesus did. Imagine being able to give freely to others instead of hoarding everything that I can. Imagine being free from the cares of this world and instead focused on spiritual fruit. And imagine being able to share easily your joy with others, to spread the seed and to see the lives of others around you transformed by Jesus as well. Imagine being part of God's work. Imagine actually getting to participate in what God is doing. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a joy? Don't you want to experience that? I know I do. And I think if you're here, you probably do too. So let's pursue that in faith together. Let's ask God to help us as we do that. We're not alone. God didn't just say, hey, here's what you need to do. Good luck. He said, here's what you need to do. And by the way, I'm putting my very spirit inside of you and I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I've given you my word. I've given you my teaching and I've given you myself. Not only does God give us his spirit, but Jesus promises that he and the father will abide with us, that God himself is with us and he is helping us. As Paul says, not just to do, but even to want to do what God has asked of us. And so we don't do this alone, but we must do it. We must do it. We actually have to obey. We have to actually show that our faith is real through seeking to follow Jesus. And if we pray for God to help us to do that, we can be assured that God will answer. Because that's what he wants for us, because he loves us. Let's close today with a prayer. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you so much for your great love for us. We thank you that you have planted the seed of your word, the seed of your kingdom in our hearts. But Father, you know that our hearts still have many hard places. There's still many rocks and stones, still many weeds, many thorns. And Father, we pray that you would dig up the soil of our hearts and get rid of any of the hard places, any of the rocks, any of those thorny areas so that we can be productive in your kingdom, Father. We want, to, we want to experience the power of your kingdom. We want to actually see that fruit coming through our lives, Father. And so I ask, Father, that you would help us 
to do that. Be with us. Help our hearts. Soften our hearts, Father. Help us not to be hard-hearted, but to listen and to, to live out what you've given to us through Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would help the people in the world around us. Many of us have friends. We have people that we love. Maybe even um, spouses, um, parents, brothers, sisters, um, close friends, co-workers, all these people that we can think of who we look at and maybe we wonder or maybe we know that they're hard-hearted. Maybe we see that they're just not quite ready. Father, we pray that you would work in their lives. And just as you softened the heart of the Apostle Paul, that you would soften their hearts as well so that they might hear that message and enjoy the, the blessing, the great wonder of being a part of your kingdom, Father. Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to enter your kingdom. It is not because we are good, but because you are good. It is not because we do right, but because Jesus did right and paid the, cross, the price for us on the cross. And we're so grateful for that, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to remember the powerful working that you have done through Jesus and that you would help us to walk in that power this week, Father. Be with us, walk with us, guide us, and help us to live as faithful followers of your Son this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.